Thank you for joining us at the First Baptist Church of Coleraine, Massachusetts, as Pastor Jim Rennie continues to faithfully challenge and encourage us in the Word. And it is our prayer that this message will encourage the believer and bring the unbeliever closer to a saving knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Continuing on, our studies in the book of Daniel. I didn't pick the most easiest book in the Bible, but... uh, Mysteries can be revealed and understood. Daniel chapter 8. He writes, In the third year of King Belshazzar's reign, I, Daniel, had a vision, after the one that had already appeared to me. In my vision, I saw myself in the citadel of Susa in the province of Elam. In the vision, I was beside the Ulai Canal. I looked up, and there before me was a ram with two horns standing beside the canal, and the horns were long. One of the horns was longer than the other, but grew up later. I watched the ram as he charged towards the west and the north and the south. No animal could stand against him, and none could rescue from his power. He did as he pleased and became great. As I was thinking about this, suddenly a goat with a prominent horn between his eyes came from the west, crossing the whole earth without touching the ground. He came towards the two-horned ram I had seen standing beside the canal and charged at him in great rage. I saw him attack the ram furiously, striking the ram and shattering his two horns. The ram was powerless to stand against him. The goat knocked him to the ground and trampled on him and none could rescue the ram from his power. The goat became very great, but at the height of his power, his large horn was broken off, and in its place, four prominent horns grew up towards the four winds of heaven. Out of one of them came another horn, which started small, but grew in power to the south and to the west and towards the beautiful land It grew until it reached the host of heaven, and it threw some of the starry host down to the earth and trampled on them. It set itself up to be as great as the prince of the host. It took away the daily sacrifice from him, and the place of his sanctuary was brought low. Because of rebellion, the host of the saints and the daily sacrifice were given over to it. It prospered in everything it did, and truth was thrown to the ground. Then I heard a holy one speaking, and another holy one said to me, how long will it take for the vision to be fulfilled, the vision concerning the daily sacrifice, the rebellion that causes desolation, and the surrender of the sanctuary and of the hosts that will be trampled underfoot. He said to me, 
It will take 230 evenings and mornings. Then the sanctuary will be re-consecrated. While I, Daniel, was watching the vision and tried to understand it, there before me stood one who looked like a man. And I heard a man's voice from the Ulai calling, Gabriel, tell this man the meaning of the vision. As he came near the place where I was standing, I was terrified and fell prostrate. Son of man, he said to me, understand that the vision concerns the time of the end. While he was speaking to me, I was in a deep sleep with my face to the ground. And then he touched me and raised me to my feet. He said, I'm going to tell you what will happen later in the time of wrath because the vision concerns the appointed time of the end. The two-horned ram that you saw represents the king of Media and Persia. The shaggy goat is the king of Greece. And the large horn between his eyes is the first king. The four horns that replace the one that was broken off represent four kingdoms that will emerge from his nation but will not have the same power. In the latter part of their reign, when rebels have become completely wicked, a stern-faced king a master of intrigue will arise. He will become very strong, but not by his own power. He will cause astounding devastation and will succeed in whatever he does. He will destroy the mighty men and the holy people. He will cause deceit to prosper and he will consider himself superior. And when they feel secure, he will destroy many and take his stand against the prince of princes. Yet he will be destroyed, but not by human power. The vision of the evenings and the mornings that has been given to you is true, but seal up the vision for it concerns the distant future. I, Daniel, was exhausted and lay ill for several days. Then I got up, went about the king's business. I was appalled by the vision. It was beyond understanding. Amen. May God give us understanding. We need it, don't we? All right. Father, we do ask for that. You would give us understanding. May our minds, our ears be open for your Holy Spirit to teach us these mysteries that Daniel could not understand. In Jesus' name, amen. The title of this message is Good King, Bad King. I was going to 
call it the good, the bad, and the ugly. But that's three. Good king, bad king. This eighth chapter, Daniel, we have a blend of symbolic prophecies. Symbolic. This is why Daniel couldn't understand it. The first one predicts a powerful empire signified as a goat under the leadership of a shaggy goat. I don't mean how. He says the shaggy goat is the king of Greece and the large horn between its eyes is the first king. This refers to Alexander the Great, who conquered Syria and Egypt and Israel and the Medo-Persian Empire. He went as far as India at lightning speed. The Greek kingdom is predicted in the book of Daniel chapter 2, this chapter 8, and chapter 11. Daniel 2, that we've already studied, talks about those four world empires, if you remember. And the third one is Greece. Greece. Now we have the, Daniel's vision of the ram, two-horned ram. That signifies the Medo-Persian empire. It says, in verse 20, it tells us that. The ram was attacked by a swiftly moving goat and a single large horn. The goat represents the Greek empire. The shaggy goat is Alexander the Great. They, he moved with tremendous speed to conquer those nations, never been seen before and has been in recent history with the Blitzkrieg under the Nazis when they went through the Blitzkrieg at lightning speed. That's what Alexander and his army did to conquer these other nations, including the Medo-Persians, the ram. After the goat kills the ram, its horn is broken. The horn, it represents power, and a, in this case, a king. At the height of his power, who? His power, Alexander. There will be four other horns grow up in its place. The angel Gabriel explains the vision to Daniel that the goat signifies Greece and the prominent horn or the first king is Alexander. And the breaking of the horn signifies the death of that king, Alexander. He didn't live very long. He died when he was about 32, some say 33 years of age. And then after he died, four smaller horns represent a divided Greek kingdom. These four horns represent four generals that took over from Alexander, if you know the history. Now this prophecy that came to pass 
and this vision that Daniel had happened 250 years before it came true. And we know from history that this came true in perfect detail. It's already happened. Alexander died about the age of 32, 33. His kingdom was divided between four generals. You can look it up. Google it. Go to Wikipedia. Do whatever you want. It's a fact. Now, these four generals, it tells us in verse 22, these four horns, symbol of power, that replaced the one that was broken off. Who's that? Alexander. Represent, it tells us that in verse 22, represent four kingdoms that will emerge from his, Alexander's, nation, Greece, but will not have the same power. It's a divided kingdom. It's a divided empire headed up by these four generals that took over when Alexander died. Now, we know from history that the Greek empire was divided under those four generals. Jewish historians write, they put crowns upon themselves. So did their sons after them many years. And evils were multiplied in the earth. So those four generals became four kings over the Greek empire that stretched enormous amount of the then known world. One of those generals, you can look it up, I don't need to mention them all, I could, but I'm trying to save some time. One of them was Seleucus. And he ruled over the Israel. He became the king over that part of the world, Israel, Palestine. Now we come to an evil king, that one of them that succeeded Seleucus, who was the first king. He may have been the great-great-grandson of Seleucus. That became the Seleucid Empire. This man, and you would think the Bible is talking about the Antichrist. No, it isn't. Not in this case. He is an antichrist, but he's not the antichrist that we learned about last week. This evil king who ruled over Palestine, and you can look it up, Google it, go to Wikipedia, it's a fact. Antiochus IV, and he preferred to be called Epiphanes which means God manifest. He actually believed that he was a Greek God. And he hated the Jews. He hated God and he wanted to obliterate their culture and their religion totally and force them to worship the false Greek gods. And he believed he was one. It was a play on words that they called him something similar, which means madman, because they knew he was crazy as a bedbug. I think he married his sister as well. 
So apart from being mad, totally, he claimed to be this Greek god. And Daniel writes about him between verse 23 and 25. I'll read it again. In the latter part of his reign, when rebels had become completely wicked, a fierce-looking king, a master of intrigue will arise. He will become very strong, but not by his own power. Where does he get that from? Satan. He's been raised up by Satan to obliterate the people of Israel. People have been trying to obliterate the people of Israel from the beginning of time. You know that as well as I do. And there's another guy, Antiochus Epiphanes. He did the best that he could. In fact, I've heard and I've read and I've, he said that he wiped out 100,000 Jews that would not worship him. We'll get to that in a minute. He will cause astounding devastation. He will succeed in whatever he does. He will destroy those who are mighty, the holy people. Not talking about Christians. Talking about the chosen people of God. Who are they? Israel. They are still God's chosen people. That's not going to change. He will cause deceit to prosper and will consider himself superior. Not half. He believed that he was a God. Call me Epiphanes. Mighty God. One of the Greek gods. Numerous. So this Antiochus Epiphanes was very similar to the evil man that we learned about in the last chapter. Very similar to the Antichrist. Very, very similar. We know that this guy, Antiochus Epiphanes, he committed a grave sin. And so did the Antichrist when he desecrated the temple called the abomination of desolation that Jesus talks about in Matthew 24, 15, and what Daniel predicted in Daniel chapter 9, verse 27. He'll put an image of himself in the Jewish temple and demand people to worship it. Likewise, this fellow that we're talking about now, it's an historical fact, the Antichrist is yet to come. We know that. He hasn't appeared yet. We'll know him when he comes up. We'll know the signs. He'll claim to be God. He'll perform miracles. And those that do not have the mark of the beast on their hand and on the forehead, they won't be able to buy or sell. We've already gone into that. Let's not dwell on it. We've got another Antichrist, but not the Antichrist. Antiochus Epiphanes. He will also, he did... It's an historical fact. He committed another abomination. Just like the Antichrist will, what he did, he set up a statue of the Greek god Zeus in the holy Jewish temple. That was the abomination. And he did it on the Sabbath day, which is a Saturday. Sabbath has always been Saturday, Always will be Saturday. And not only that, he sacrificed a pig on the altar and he demanded 
pagan sacrifices in every Jewish village. This is a historical fact. Now, you know the Jews consider the pig to be unclean. A Jew would never eat pig. It's unfortunate because you can't beat a good piece of crispy bacon, you know, pork chops, right? But this is an absolute abomination. Then Daniel heard an angel ask the question, verse 2, how long will it, see this is the abomination, how long will it take for this vision to be filled? The vision concerning the daily sacrifice, where do they do that? In the temple, morning and evening. Hold that thought. How long is this going to take place, this abomination? The rebellion that causes desolation. The surrender of the sanctuary and the trampling underfoot of the Lord's people, the Jews. They were oppressed. He tried to obliterate them and everything Jewish. And there's the answer. He said to me, it will take 2,003 evenings and mornings, sacrifices morning and evening in the Jewish temple. Then the sanctuary... The Antiochus Epiphanes desecrated by killing that pig on the altar, right? The sanctuary will be reconsecrated or cleansed, okay? Now, this time period, 2,300 days, I asked Alexa, because I've got... I've got Amazon, so she's never wrong. Because <laughs> I'm not good at math, sorry. 2,300 days figures out to be about six years and a third. Six years and a third. And this prophecy was fulfilled during the reign of this king, Antiochus Epiphanes. He desecrated the temple in Jerusalem and he severely persecuted the Jews from about September 171 BC to December 165 BC. That's the length of time. About just over six years, six and a third year. You can imagine how sacrilegious this was and an abomination to the Jewish people. The temple that was built to the true and living God, had been desecrated. Not only that, they were forced not to worship the true and living God, the Jews were, and not to practice their religion. Imagine if a dictator came and invaded our country and forced us not to worship Jesus. That may happen one day. During the tribulation period, it will. But we won't be there. We'll be with the Lord. So you can see what a sacrilegious thing this was that he, that he did. The temple was built to worship God. So there was a total disregard for God, total disregard for the people of Israel, whom he hated, like Hitler and all the other Nazis, hated the Jews, wanted to obliterate them from the face of the earth. 
So what would you do if you were a Jew at that time? Well, a lot of them got together, these warriors called the Maccabees, and they revolted against that king and those wicked invaders. This sparked the, what is called the Maccabee Revolt, and they won. They defeated their oppressors. And Antiochus Epiphanes managed to escape. But it says that one of the reasons he was mad, he had syphilis that entered into his brain and he died crazier than he was before. After that victory by the Maccabees, the Maccabee warriors, the temple, because it had been desecrated, and defiled, it had to be purified, right? It had to be purified. It had to be reconsecrated. It had to be rededicated because it had been defiled by the abomination of Antiochus Epiphanes. Probably not a person listening wherever you are, I haven't heard of Hanukkah. Everybody heard of Hanukkah? Do you know what it's about? The only thing I know, really, I know the Jews remembered it and celebrated it, instead of Christmas, right? It's near Christmas. The Jewish temple was rededicated in December. And this is what the people of Israel, the Jews today, remember that rededication. The word Hanukkah means dedication, dedication. And they remember that, the Maccabees, they cleansed the temple and they rededicated it on the 25th day of the Jewish month of Kislev. Now, when it came, this is what happened when they wanted to rededicate that temple that had been desecrated. When it came time, this is a historical fact, when it came time to relight the menorah, you know what that is, the, the candlestick, not owned by Liberace for sure. When it came to relight the menorah, which is the multi-branched lampstand, they searched the entire temple, but only found a small jar of oil bearing the pure seal of the high priest. That's the only thing they could find, a little vial of oil, enough to light the thing very briefly. Miraculously, the small jar of oil, instead of burning for one day, it burned for eight days until the new supply of oil could be found and brought in. From then on, and even today, well, not today, but in December, Jews everywhere around the world have observed this holiday, this eight days in December in honor of this historic victory. And the miracle of oil and the rededication of the temple. Jews do this 
every December, and they remember it for eight days. So they got the menorah there. That's what they do. Olive oil in the Bible can also be a symbol. Is that word again? I'm not talking about those that pay, play the drums. It's symbolic. Olive oil is symbolic of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. And faith in Jesus Christ. God pours the Holy Spirit into us when we receive Jesus as our Savior and we are born again. We are cleansed. There's that word. We are reconstructed. Amen? All things are passed away. The filth. All things have become new. We are righteous in the sight of God, even though we are sinners. We know that. But he doesn't see us as sinners. He sees us as his children, and we are his saints. You don't have to die to become a saint. Right? We're all saints. When Paul writes to the saints in such and such a place, he's not writing to dead people, is he? That would be stupid. And you wouldn't get a reply anyway. Are you with me so far? Are you enjoying this? I hope so. So the Holy Spirit is the one that sanctifies us. He fills us. And we need to be topped up every day. We need to be topped up. Because we're not perfect and we never will be until we meet the Lord. Or until he comes back and we'll meet him in the air. He comforts us. He prepares us for heaven. We sang in that hymn. He's prepared a mansion for us. No more pain. No more suffering. Don't have to mow the lawn. Don't have to pay for you know, the gas bill or the electricity bill or any bill. It's been paid for. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Because of that crimson, pure blood that was shed on Calvary's cross. We're washed. We're washed as white as snow. He brings the light. Jesus is the light. John 8, 12 says, Jesus said, I am. And when he says, I am, he's claiming to be God, which he is. I am. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Through Jesus, we have life, eternal life. We came to the light. In heaven, there's no darkness. There's no shadows. It's pure light because that's where Jesus is. Jesus is the light. Hope Whoever you are listening to this message, you need to come to the light. Jesus is the light. Otherwise, you're going to end up in a place where there is no light and just black darkness and pain and suffering for all eternity, burning in the lake of fire. So let me 
conclude a while. It's not going to be as long as last week, but these chapters are long. You know, Alexander's life and what he did, even though he was a heathen, he had positive influence in this world. I hope we do too. Do you have a positive influence in this world? People you rub shoulders with, come into contact with? Now, Jewish historians write that when Alexander the Great, he conquered Israel, which he did, he was told about these prophecies in Daniel that we've been learning about today. He was, he, he was told about the prophecies in Daniel, the book of Daniel, and also the book of Zechariah, regarding himself. Oh, yes. In our scrolls, we knew you were coming, Alexander. It's in the book. We knew you're going to head up the Greek Empire and you were going to dominate. You were going to beat the Medo-Persians. We knew it. And when he heard that, he allowed the Jews to continue to worship their God and continue to have the daily sacrifices and worship God in the temple, unlike Antiochus Epiphanes, who wanted to obliterate them and destroy everything Jewish. But not Alexander. He allowed them to carry on. And thanks to Alexander and his military successes, the advancement of the Greek culture to the then known world, people became educated. And God used that to spread the gospel message. All right? Now, because the New Testament, God used Koine Greek, the language of the then known world, to become the common language. So people from every nation could hear the good news about Jesus Christ, because that was the common language, the Greek language, Koine, Greek. Approximately 250 years before Alexander began his world conquest, at lightning speed, God provided Daniel with a glimpse of the future. He said, the vision of the evenings and the morning that has been given you is true, but seal up the vision for it concerns the distant future. This was important for Daniel and the people of Israel to know. That God would told them that one day they would be delivered. They would return to the land of Israel. But in the meantime, he was going to take care of them. He was going to take care of them through many, many difficult, trying times. Is that what he does? Has God changed? He takes care of us through many difficult and very trying times. And he did that with the people of Israel. God's chosen people. And one day they have returned to the land just like it was predicted. 
just like God said they would. The reason they were scattered, because they were rebellious and they turned away from God and they started worshiping idols. And they suffered the consequences. So Daniel, I'm gonna close, honest. Daniel was so upset by this vision and what would happen to the people of Israel, his people. He was so shocked, so upset what would happen to his people in the future. It sickened him. It sickened him to the point where he says, I, Daniel, was worn out. I lay exhausted for several days. And then I got up and went about the king's business. I was appalled by the vision. It was beyond understanding. Well, not anymore it isn't. Because we have a revelation. We have, the mystery has been revealed in the word of God and hopefully explained this morning. But Daniel didn't have a clue what, what the vision meant. It was all symbolic. That didn't alter the fact that it's true. The elements that we're about to partake of are symbolic. They're symbols. The juice doesn't turn into the blood of Jesus. It symbolizes the blood of Jesus. The wafer, the bread, whatever you want to call it, it's not the body of Jesus. It symbolizes his body. Amen? So let me close, honest, like I promised. Kingdoms will rise and fall, which we know they have and they will. What if it's going to happen to America? They never thought it would happen. Kingdoms will rise and fall, and we should be convinced by now from these chapters in the book of Daniel, God knows the future. He knows the future. His word is true. And his plans, all of his plans will be accomplished in his time. God's not sleeping. God is in control. May not seem like it, but believe me, he is in control. He's in complete control. He is all-knowing. He knows the past. He knows the future. And we've got a glimpse of what will happen in the future regarding the Antichrist, the rapture of the church, the tribulation period, the thousand-year reign of Christ, the eternal kingdom, the new Jerusalem. We're going to be there. Why? Because the mysteries have been solved in the New Testament. They were mysteries. It was mysterious in the Old Testament. Now it's been revealed. It's been explained by God's prophets in the New. It was written in Koine Greek. Amen? Amen. Let me uh, just close with this voice.
in Isaiah, Isaiah 46. Remember the former things of old, for I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning, and from ancient times things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand I will do all my pleasure. Amen. Let's close in a word of prayer. Father, I do thank you for the attentiveness of your people and the ones that are listening. And I hope and pray that they'll realize that you're in control, your word is true, and Jesus said, unless a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Unless a man is born again, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. But you've made a way. You are the way. You are the truth. You are the life. And those that have the Son have life. Those who do not have the Son of God do not have life. You want eternal life? You must have Jesus. And we thank you, Lord, for your sacrifice on that cross to pay the penalty for our sins that are many. And you took the fall for us. You took the nails. You took the flogging, the beatings, the humiliation, the crown of thorns, the spear in your side. You did that, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. If you want life, you need to receive life. And Jesus Christ is the life. So come to the light, go to the light. Jesus is the light so that you can have eternal life. Amen. Amen. Thank you again for tuning in. You can find our podcasts on Apple Podcasts and anywhere else you find podcasts. We'd love for you to join us at the First Baptist Church in Coleraine for Sunday morning worship at 11 a.m. We are located at 81 Foundry Village Road, Coleraine, Massachusetts. If you have any questions or inquiries, please feel free to call the church at 413-624-8886. Hope to see you soon. God bless.